Hey, it's Cindy Howes and Lizzie No from the podcast Basic Folk, honest conversations with folk musicians. Basic Folk is truly changing the game with our well-researched deep dives that aim to empower the listener while fostering the folk community. I basically am writing worship music for youth group rejects. Maternal regrets and maternal guilt are universal. I try to make things that are beautiful and that are made with like a purity of intention. You can listen to Basic Folk on on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network or at basicfolk.com. Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment just never thought it would end up being there never thought we'd hear back from rounder yeah. never thought we would hear from rounder in the first place if this is your first time listening you can hear full interviews with jerry douglas allison brown bailiff fleck larry sparks jody stecker and so many more wherever you get your podcast thank you so much for listening later on Welcome to Harmonics, the podcast exploring the ways music and creativity lead us to wellness and healing. I'm Beth Bears. On today's show, we have an amazing opera singer and sound healer and a good friend of mine, the wonderful Gita Novotny. Oh, I love Gita so much. I met her probably about six years ago now. I went to her for voice lessons, but really for sound healing through my voice at a time when I had just started on Two Broke Girls. My whole life had basically changed overnight and the amount of stress and pressure I was feeling started to become overwhelming. And a friend of ours, a mutual friend from the David Lynch Foundation, uh, where we both learned meditation, referred me to Gita. And I just learned so much about the power of voice and how it's a way to speak your soul and speak your truth. And we talk in this beautiful episode about the fact that everyone has a voice and the right to take up space and unlock their voice and use it and to release trauma and pain through voice and sound. We go into the science of sound and the scientific definition of harmonics And it's really just an episode that I think encompasses everything about music, healing, sound, creativity, and wellness that I've wanted to put out there with harmonics. Gita has quite the professional resume. She started her career as a classical singer, a mezzo-soprano performing principal roles with the LA Opera and the American Ballet Theater at the Metropolitan Opera. After 20 years of vocal performance and teaching, Gita founded Revolution Voice, a practice program that uses the voice and sound as a bridge between music and wellness. As I just mentioned, in addition to her vocal work, she is also an acclaimed sound bath artist. I can't wait for you to meet her. So here she is, Gita Novotny. It's so wonderful to see you. I've missed you terribly. I have missed you terribly too. For everyone listening, Gita and I go way back. I started taking voice lessons with you how long ago now? Like four or five years ago or even longer? What, what year are we in? I think it was like 
six years ago, maybe like oh gosh, six or Time seven flies. Totally. It totally flies. <laughs> and Gita's the one who introduced me to sound baths and came to my house and introduced all my friends to a sound bath. And we had the most magical experience, which we'll get into later in the episode, but yes. Thank you so much for doing this. How, mm -hmm. how are you holding up? How's everything on your end? You know, you go through your peaks and valleys. And I think once you get to a certain age, you understand the peaks and valleys are all just part of it. So you have to take it in stride and you have to flow. You just flow. How are you holding up? I feel the same way. I feel like my whole life I've been so terrified of uncertainty and the unknown. And it's been such a root of my panic and anxiety that this whole pandemic and the state of our world and all of the unrest and all of that has just forced me to confront my deepest fears yeah. and, you know, trying to do everything I can to give back and quote unquote heal or use my yeah. gifts, just like I know you do to help however we can. But speaking of your beautiful gifts, I want to hear about your childhood and your musical journey throughout childhood. It's interesting because I will preface this by saying that I came into the world with my purpose, but I've had to go through immense trials to find it. So I always say my, my birth name is Gita. So Gita in Hindi means song, song of life. And I don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> So as a young child, I was very shy. I was very frightened. I couldn't speak to adults. I was very, I, I wouldn't go to the extent to say totally nonverbal, but I just really had a hard time with voice. And, you know, that comes into where you are and your siblings. I was the middle of three children and, you know, your the parental figures and all of that. There's a whole, you know, a whole dynamic. So I think my mother saw that very early on and she put me into music. So music became my first language. And so I learned to play piano at four, violin at seven. And I think all of my emotions, all of my frequencies, everything that I wanted to express with my voice came first through music. And then that gave me the confidence to be able to start using the voice. So I wasn't a, a natural in voice in general, but there was a foreshadowing when I was five years old, there's a video of me singing Silent Night in German at like a Christmas pageant, which is, a, and I always feel like you can see these parts in your childhood where, or even in your life where you have these snapshots of, of like where your lifetime is headed. It's almost like the quantum field gives us these things to work with. And we go back 30 years later and go, oh my gosh. So of course, then I went on to have a whole career in opera and, and sing in five different languages, sing in German. I sang so much German leader. So here I was like this little five-year-old channeling some kind of German, you know, singing silent night. And, but I was scared to death, but somehow I got up on stage and I did that. So that was the precursor of kind of how the rest of my life flowed in having to really keep going through the trials of discovering my voice. So how does one go from five years old singing Silent Night in German to Carnegie Hall and the Metropolitan Opera? Like, what was that path like? That came, I'll tell you where it, where it was seated from, Beth, was I have this immense desire to learn and master. So I can't say that I was like this opera aficionado or that I was like obsessed and passionate about opera. It was this whole journey from the time I was little, I grew up in a very small town in rural Pennsylvania and they had the most amazing music programs. They had every option 
in sports and music and opportunity that you don't hear a lot of public schools have now. And it was everything, three kinds of bands, three kinds of orchestras, three kinds of choirs, show choir. I just did anything and everything. And when, and it was just my desire to keep learning and going into different realms and master. And through that process, I found music, as I said, as my expression, as my language, but the voice didn't come till later. There's a part of me that likes being beneath the surface a little bit. And I'm a powerful observer for a long time. And then I just kind of strike when the iron's hot. So the paradox of what I was also dealing with was chronic severe asthma which I'd been diagnosed with it for. So it was this kind of crazy mixture of learning how to deal with that. My mom didn't want me to have any limitations on my life. So I would, I would learn to meditate. I would learn to understand when to take my medication. I was very disciplined. So all the discipline that I had to learn around survival with the asthma also gave me the discipline in my arts and my sports and my studies, everything. And then all of that kind of built this, this realm of where kind of in this infusion into music. So it wasn't until I was 16. I think I started taking voice lessons when I was about 14 from the teacher or like choir director in, in my high school or junior high. I can't remember now. And I really wasn't that great of a singer. I was like, I don't know no, if I, I believe was, that. Oh my gosh, Beth, I wish I had recordings <laughs> because I was like, my sister, as you know, was an opera. She had an amazing voice from the day she was born. Like I said, I had to earn these places. I was like, ah, I had to figure it out, you know? And so then finally my voice, I started to be recognized for my voice. So what happened was for my 16th birthday, I got the nerve and I said to my mom, can I please have voice lessons for my 16th birthday? And she said, my love, I think that you're an amazing musician, but I think you're better suited for the sciences, which is absolutely a huge part of my life now, scientific right. understanding. So it wasn't that she wasn't being dismissive or anything. I think also too, I was raised with a very strict Indian father who you, you were not going to be an artist, a musician or anything like that. But again, that shows you how strong that purpose was because even though I wasn't supposed to be any of these things, it all seemed to happen. And I rose in that realm. So she finally, she did relent and she said, you know what, I'm going to take you to this professor at Carnegie Mellon University. That's who my sister was taking from. I auditioned for her. She immediately took me into her studio. She was an operatic soprano with New York City Opera and she was a professor at Carnegie Mellon. And she just said, your voice is huge. You have the resonance. And, and I was kind of with this beautiful naivete. I was like, okay. And I was obsessed with musical theater, which you were cats, Phantom of the <laughs> Opera, all those things. And I just had this fantasy. I would go to the Benedum Center in Pittsburgh and watch the musical theater and I could project myself being on the stage, but I never thought it was going to be opera. But once I started learning opera and I started learning pedagogy, I started learning the literary works behind opera, all the languages, of course, that thrilled my brain that was eager to learn and take in and master. And then I just kind of went along that path of opera. But at Carnegie Mellon, we had such a great education. We had dance and acting. And a lot of people came out. We all did musical theater. We all did pop. We all were multifaceted in the arts. But opera kind of became my channel. And then, I, then the career. You know, it was like one thing after another. It was, you know, doing the masters and then going into the apprenticeships. And then you know how the business works. You just kind of somehow follow this trajectory and then you get one opportunity after another. And then, yeah, I found myself at Carnegie Hall and with my sister, actually, we debuted together at Carnegie Hall, so.
Wow. First of all, this is so interesting because you said your sister sort of came out of the womb with this incredible voice and you didn't feel, and maybe your mom didn't feel that that was necessarily your gift until this, this teacher saw it in you. It's amazing to me because my mom was told at school that she couldn't sing. And so she'll just for the rest of her life, believe that she can't sing, which I, and she loves music so much, which breaks my heart. So my question for you is for everybody listening who maybe was ever told that they couldn't sing or felt like they, I mean, do you believe that even though like people can be born with a gift, that voice is also something that can be taught and developed in that sort of not academic sense, but I guess scientifically, like in your body. Oh. What is that? Well, I, now, I'm so fascinated. <laughs> oh, I love that you're fascinated and, and you experienced it, Beth. So fast forward how many years where I've made singing into sonic medicine. And I'll tell you my belief wholeheartedly, and I get emotional when I talk about this, is that singing is our birthright. I believe that as human beings, we were gifted a handful of self-healers. We have the earth, we have the herbs, we have the plants, we have meditation, we have yoga, we have movement. What can the body do? We are gifted it within our bodies and singing is a huge one. It is our sonic medicine, just like say the, the herbs can be our medicine we take, we, we put topically or orally. That is our sonic medicine. And we were gifted with it. We were gifted it for several reasons. One, for communication, because this is how people communicated. This is our energy center of will, self-expression, communication. This is how we told our stories of our history. There isn't a culture that does not sing. To me, singing is absolutely something anybody and everybody should be doing. And people who can't even, who can't speak and they have to use sign language, their whole Intent still comes from the vocal cords, the throat energy center. So what I do is now in, in, in Revolution Voice in my business, I teach you how to completely coalesce your voice into sonic medicine. I mean, and also because I have clients, I have so many clients who are non-singers. I can tell right. you from my empirical evidence I swear that they, they have better ranges and better breath control than I have. I mean, they're just amazing. They're amazing. And they're nurses and, and, and factory workers. I mean, across the board, they, they are just, because what I teach is the strong technique that I needed to learn to sing opera, to be able to sing on that stage at Carnegie Hall, to be able to sing, you know, at the stacked house at the Metropolitan Opera, like you have without amplification, we didn't get to have the the microphone sometimes in the huge arenas we had to be mic'd and things like that but essentially the technique we learned was to be able to project the voice through our own sonic architecture of our bodies through our nasal passages through our the dome of our skull all of these things so what i do is i teach my clients how to do all of that so therefore they're distilling their sonic medicine at the highest form, which is that that technique that I learned and that I created this method out of all my teachers and all of my experience. And I imparted to my clients and they sing with massive high frequency, high vibration. And by nature of all of the beautiful acoustical space, the bones, the bone structures, the, the, the muscles in our body bouncing off. It's the sound. Now we're getting into the science of sound, but anyway, you're able to kind of use your own voice, which I believe too, that everybody has a sonic DNA and I'm doing more studies to kind of figure this out in my endless curiosity of all of this. Your voice is your best healer because it's your DNA. It's your biological structure. 
So, oh my goodness, that was a long answer uh, to your question. No, this is <laughs> voice is healing, sound is healing, and healing is creative, and creativity is healing. And I just want to speak on a personal level to what you're talking about, because I've personally experienced Gita's work. Oh, it's going to make me a little emotional. Go, girl. Go there. <laughs> um, but when I came to Gita, I think I might have been maybe one or two years into Two Broke Girls. I mean, it was early we were on for six years, but my life had changed significantly by that point and very quickly. And, you know, as women in this culture, a lot of times we're taught not to take up space. You know, we see images in the media that we have to be small. And, you know, I know I felt pressures, immense pressure being on television that young and just my whole life afraid to use my voice because I wanted people to like me and people please. And I remember when I came to you, first of all, I just remember I was so scared to sing loud or like make sound. And you really just, I also want to say there was something unlocking for me from the pelvic floor that you really helped me. Mm-hmm. Hey, lady. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, but you really helped me unlock that. And I just remember at that time in my life, unfortunately, I was also so busy at that time in my life that voice lessons weren't able to be regular for me at that time (laughs) because of how busy I was. But that release and that feeling of knowing it was okay to use my voice to take up space to go from whatever that guttural, you know more about the science than I do, but whatever that was that I found inside myself was one of the first times I'd ever felt that. And I feel like now that I'm in my 30s, this was almost, you know, however, six years ago, I feel like I've really been able to cultivate that more. There's something about turning 30 and you're less worried about what people think and you know who you are, but I'll just never forget what it felt like to use my voice to take up space and how impactful that was. Uh So thank you. And how did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're welcome. And I have to say that I'm so honored to have this journey with you to be able to have worked with you and then done the sound bath with you at your home. That was actually, I have to tell you, that sound bath at your home was one of the most powerful sound baths I've ever done. And they, and I've done so many and for many reasons. And I think because you and I have always had a very strong tribal connection, energetic connection and, and to raise each other's voices. And, and, but what I remember that time with you too, because you were, I mean, when you, the moment you walk through my door, I mean, gosh, you just blow people away with your light and your beauty and, and, I paid her to say this. Guys. <laughs> no, she did not. <laughs> and, and you, I remember even one time we were steaming with garlic cloves. Like we would just go all Girl, sorts of places. You taught me to steam with garlic cloves. I still do that, especially with COVID being out there. I have Could steamed I- in the beginning when I was like real nervous about getting COVID-19. I still use your garlic steam trick. Everybody listening, Gita taught me that you put raw cloves in boiling water and you take a towel, right? And you put it over yeah. your head and you breathe it in. I tend to listen to a podcast while I do it. Um, and you breathe it in and it's really good for your immune system and your bronchial tract and lungs and all mm-hmm. of that, right? It's, it's Well, garlic is a natural antibacterial. So I boil it for a while and then I start breathing in kind of the garlic vapors. And it really just provides a like a steam of antibacterial steam and flow, you know? So we did that. But that takes me into 
why we can't talk about creativity without talking about sacral energy, sexual energy, and what that really is. Because I think that's a large thing that gets misconstrued. I mean, in my kind of job and another purpose in the world is to, is to really show people the high energy of all of these different energy centers we have, the heart, you know, the chakra centers, as we call them also too. But to me, the voice is on a direct access with the sacral. So they're poles and they actually spin in their access. So you cannot access one without the other. So as you know, I work with people who are very highly traumatized, sexual traumas, emotional traumas, physical traumas. I work with people across the board. I mean, I've seen so much and I'm so grateful to have been able to hold space and to be able to heal people who came to me with all sorts of things going on with them. And every one of you who came to me, who come to me, whatever you're going through is so important and absolutely paramount for you at the time. And I think what you are going through and correct me if I'm wrong was because you were so busy and you were dealing with so many things, I think some of the creativity was feeling a little bit blocked, even though you're in such a creative business and you're working and you're, oh, yeah. and you're such a star, like the, that can tend to contract for us. So for me to be able to help you open up the voice, to sing at your max, because everybody needs to take up that space. And what better way to do it with the power of your voice? Because the power of your voice speaks your soul. It speaks mm. your truth. It speaks the footprint of your life. So to be able to blow it out in beautiful sonic medicine and frequency form and give it to me, my job is to transmute it, put it into my body and I roll it out for you. I'll transmute it for you. That is such a gift for you to be able to do. So I teach you how to do that. And what was going on at the time was just by nature of unlocking this and allowing you to take up space, blew out everything in the sacral region. So as a lot of my clients know that when we work, we start out with, you know, I do, I, I mix aromatherapy into breath work, into and to this thing that preps the body for the singing. And a lot of it is in the lower core region. We, I tell you to kind of breathe in and kind of pressurize down into the pelvic floor and it's toning all of the organs. I mean, there's a million things that singing does for, for the body, not only strengthens the respiratory system, opens up the circulatory system, puts your body into parasympathetic. It helps with, with anxiety. There's a whole process that goes on in, in the session. You know, we prep the body with breathing. We also tell our story. So it's not just always about singing. I'm a soundboard. I'm an echo chamber for them. I'm a transmuter. So whatever their story is gets transmuted. And then we sing it out. When we sing it out, it moves faster, much more through the universe. It just kind of gets pushed out of the body. So we can somatically shift a lot of the trauma that has been sitting in the cells down in the sacral region and just kind of, and it doesn't mean that it manifests in the sacral region just because it say it was a sexual trauma. It just means that's where the brain, the operating system has maybe aligned with it and created an identity around it. Sometimes it manifests in the heart. Sometimes we have to do the work around the heart, all the different places. The manifestations are, that's why the human body is so fascinating because as human beings, the way our brain works in an operating system, it's, it can manifest in different places. So my job, the throat, the, the voice is the conduit between the heart and the mind. So it's the, it's the conduit kind of between the soul and the heart, and then how the mind is cognifying. So by providing kind of an equilibrium with the voice, we can create an equilibrium and an open flow channel between 
like the heart and the mind and the soul and the mind and that kind of thing. So it's literally clients sing their traumas out. And, and it's really what it is too. And then it's the vibrational energy of the sonic medicine that is going in and providing the equilibrium within the cells, which is goes into the science of sound. So with you, I think we had to, there was just so much that had to be released and we had conversations around some of that, what was going on with you at the time. And we had to find a full release of it. And I think that it was, it, you came to me at the time when you were supposed to come to me, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and another beautiful part of your uh, revolution voice is these incredible sound baths and using these crystal sound bowls. There may be people listening who have no idea what we're talking about, which is probably a significant portion of people. So can you sort of break it down for us that healing modality of your work? Absolutely. So what happened was I found myself sitting between all these sound bowls. And I mean, a friend took me to the Integratron to see, to, to experience a sound bath. And then all of a sudden he bought me a couple bowls. And then I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Like, I was like, this is weird. I am the biggest skeptic around. I'm a scientist. Essentially. I question everything and everything. So I go from the skeptics point of view and then all the way to the highest mystical point of view. And I have to analyze all of that to be able to do what I do. And I really thought, well, what am I, what is this? I don't even know what I'm doing. And it just felt like it was totally a guided path. We've heard this before. It just kind of kept developing because I started to trust, okay, I'm going to do this. And I remember feeling like, um, I'm sitting here with these bowls and here I was on this operatic stage and I'm sitting here with these bowls. What am I supposed to be doing? And it was just going deep, studying, researching, mentoring, going through this process of understanding. So I just resonated with quartz because I love the properties of quartz crystal. So I use these big quartz crystal bowls. I have about 16 of them and just, just, I, cause I curate them and they all come to me in these beautiful ways. To me, they're living and breathing. They're my collaborators and we have an energy exchange. So quartz crystal is this beautiful mineral from the earth and it has these amazing electrical properties in a sense. So without going too deep into the science of it, if you take two pieces of quartz, and you bang them together, like be in a completely dark room and you push, bang them together a certain way, you will see lightning inside of them. So they're, they're transfers. So quartz crystal basically are in watches, cell phones, computers. And what they do is they add, they, they help moving parts function. So they're kind of systemic conduits. So they just kind of transfer electrical energy to static electricity back and forth. So why I choose them to work with my clients is one, they match the frequency structure of my voice. As you know, my voice is kind of enigmatic. It's kind of big and our power matches each other that way, which I can't find necessarily with the Tibetan bowls, even though I love working with the Tibetan bowl. I work with both, but I do mostly work with quartz. So by injecting my voice into their sonic frequency, I boost then the sound walls that I create. So essentially what a sound bath is, is that if you have a good practitioner, what we do is we use our felt sense, we use our clairaudience, all, all of what our quote gifts are. I understand harmonic structures, hertz frequencies, and I build walls of sound. So if I'm using one bowl, then I pick up the, the harmonics and the resonance and the overtones of the other bowl. And it's like you're building a sound landscape, a soundscape. So I'm terracing frequencies, I'm terracing harmonics, I'm listening to when they drop, I'm putting pushing more velocity into this one, I'm letting this one fall off. It's very intricate 
And by doing that, I'm able to build these walls of sound, then thus just kind of envelop my participants, my clients. And also then the medicinal part is, is then I, you know, I do a long intake before and everything too. So I know where I'm supposed to be hitting, what bowls that I can be kind of pushing it more through. And what happens through that is that why sound is so beautiful is because our bodies know exactly what to do with it. Analog, source sound, analogous sound, especially from quartz. We essentially as human beings are part of the earth. We understand quartz. We understand sound. We understand pure sound. We understand earth because we are organic elements. But haven't we gotten far away from it with the digital sound? And so you're sort of bringing back what our ancestors would have. Antiquities. Yes. Yes. I love that. And we, and we as humans now are understanding that through the industrial revolution that we've gotten a little bit, it, it all served a purpose. Believe me, every, even w- how it's happening right now with our revolution is serving a purpose. We just have to, we will see, we have to stay and grounded with it. So this is kind of what, where we're going now. The human being wants the nutrition of sound back. We want the nutrition of our natural healing elements back and sound is one of them. And what's so beautiful about the sound is the sound knows what to do. I guide it. I guide it and I infuse it, but it knows when it hits the matter of the body that how sound works is it'll, it'll bounce. It goes, it's a ripple effect. So it'll know if one of my clients has an, an injury, it'll, the sound will go and pull at that energy blockage and break through it with in a very non-invasive way. And I always say to people, the sound can't hurt you because your body loves it. It's activating the light energy of your body even. So not only do my clients experience relief from their physical and their emotional issues and traumas, they're, they're having spiritual awakenings. They're able to travel to etheric realms, which we wouldn't be able to access necessarily by our binary brain operating system in a sense. Did that answer the question though? I don't know if I answered no, the question. No, definitely, for sure. <laughs> and and I feel like that was evident at our sound bath. I mean, I know one of my friends had not menstruated in months and after the sound bath hat was it like it came right away. Um and I know a lot of a few people there there's you know people who had experienced trauma of different kinds and that was released and I remember for me, I don't know what this means, but I remember I felt like my body had been floating and then like dropped back down to earth. Like it almost, it felt like someone had picked me up and been holding me and then dropped me down to earth when, when we were doing it. And Gita infuses um, her beautiful singing voice with the sounds of the bulls, as she explained, which, you know, is another thing that I think makes you special as a healer. I, I, not all sound healers or sound baths also have someone singing, correct? Like, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the word harmonics a few times. We're doing a podcast recording called Harmonics Harmonics. right now. I have many feelings and definitions about the word, which is why I I called this podcast Harmonics. But I would love to hear what your definition of harmonics is. Well, it's interesting because I was talking about it with a client before this podcast. Harmonic is basically where a vibrational sound is produced through like a string or a column of air, and it is produced from the fundamental tone. So there's a fundamental tone, and then by the combination sometimes of other tones or other vibrations, other hertz, or even just matter that it's hitting can create another tone it, that is what I consider not as dense as the fundamental tone, but it's very perceptible. Sometimes it's not perceptible to our human ears, but sometimes it is. So as a violinist, we created harmonics or with, 
with our strings and with and with with high high pitches. I create harmonics with the bowls and my voice by matching a resonance level. Like for instance, if I play, if I'm working with a perfect fifth, the perfect fifth is a perfectly matched tone with a three to two ratio that works together in tandem. And that will create like an overtone, a resonance, and even a harmonic that that has a has a very, very powerful healing vibration. Mm. Well, it's why I love listening to people sing harmonies. You know, it's one of my favorite things about music. And it makes sense that you were saying a fifth above in the bowls. And when two people are singing in that way as well, there's such like a coming together, uh, which I think is another definition that I love. So it it makes sense from a science standpoint, sort of yeah. also the spiritual, uh, which oh, I and love. Absolutely. And, the, and the love and the collaborative. And, you know, with my sister, that was for as crazy as our relationship was when we sang together, it was a transcendence of time and space. And we knew at that moment what we were able to do for our audience when we sang in thirds, fourths, fifths, even in dissonance, even in minor seconds and major, major seconds, there was, we could hear it. I mean, it was sometimes so powerful, that harmonic or that resonance, that overtone was so powerful that we were like, ah, you know, we were like, ah, you know, and that is what the love is. That's what the connection is. That is essentially how we measure our collective and how we measure our bonds with one another and our felt senses. And when we say we vibe somebody or we have intuition, that is partly why the singing is so important because it essentially is a direct line to your intuition. So much of my clients by just working through their voice and with the sonic medicine and even with the sound bath, it heightens their intuition because we get bombarded by so much information all day long. How do we know our path? It is that feel, that felt sense. Every emotion we feel holds a frequency pattern. It holds a Hertz pattern almost. So we have, that's why emotions are so important. And that's what the human being is. Absolutely. So you're a healer by profession as well as a singer. Your own personal wellness day to day. I want to hear about it because I know for a lot of therapists or healers or even when you're a performer and it becomes your source of income, you know, it, there's something lost than when it's purely, or at least I, I feel like, you know, for therapists, they, they take on all that all day. How do they come home and release for you? You're putting so much energy out all day. How do you heal yourself? <laughs> that's a beautiful question. And that's something that I tell my clients who are on the road to becoming healers, guides, teachers, wellness practitioners. I mean, I use that all those terms to describe what I do. The first thing you must learn is grounding and boundaries. To, to be a wellness practitioner, like I said, years and years of personal development, not just the mastery of what you do. So what I had to learn, and believe me, Beth, this was through <laughs> trial and error, mistakes. Like I said, I've walked the path for you, so you don't have to necessarily do it. So what I had to learn was grounding and boundaries. So with for me, what's imperative is my meditation, yoga, hiking, outdoors, being outdoors, the sunshine, solitude, purpose-driven connections. When you do what I do, and, and you also are building upon, I'm building upon what I'm doing with my healing arts practice now too, what you find yourself, you're almost married to the light in a sense. So the deeper I go into my purpose path, it's almost like I've developed now, this. there's this boundary around my realm where 
If it's not going to be part of that purpose path, it's going to blow up in my face. Do you know what I mean? So I've learned through trial and error that I have to practice what I preach. And I, and I have so much integrity around that. And, and I also know that things like, like for, for instance, for me, I don't drink alcohol. I don't do any, I don't actually do CBD or anything. I don't do those forms of supplement in a sense. And not that I disagree with it at all, because I mean, I presented on the psychedelic symposium. That's a whole other topic <laughs> because I totally believe that people's bodies need the plant medicines. I do believe that. I believe that they, and each, and that's what's so beautiful about being a healer. You have to know that your client is not going to walk that same path as you walk. Not everybody shouldn't be drinking alcohol. Some people, maybe they need a little bit. Maybe they need a little bit of sugar. I need a little bit of alcohol. Let me tell you, girl. I love my beer. Friday night, weekend comes. I'm a one beer bears because I'm a lightweight, but I have, well, maybe two, maybe two if I'm feeling yeah. real frisky. But yeah, it, it I, <laughs> I hear you though, because sometimes, I mean, I have a lot of friends like you who don't drink and I think it's like what you just said. It's like, we all have our personal personal choice. Yeah. And that's what I love about the human. We all have these different footprints and, and my job is to help you understand exactly how you put your, your, your energy into the world. Like my, my client today, I said, she's a support system. The support system is just as important as the leader. We need the leaders. We need the mavens. We need the influencers. Everybody has the same importance. So for me, I can't drink for you. Beer is, 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 is a wonderful, like the, (laughs) the, the science of beer, however you make beer. It's so cool because you're taking the elements of the earth. It's so true. It's from the earth. I agree. Honestly, truly. I wine, same way. It's a plant. I mean, it's a grape, it's fruit, you know? So, and it's the intent. And you know what, with you, Beth, because you are such on an enlightened path, when you when you intake the beer, you're intaking <laughs> Guys, it with, with I'm yeah. enlightened when I intake the beer. <laughs> I mean, this is my opinion. Because what because and I and again, because I have worked with people with addiction. Yes. When it's the intent of why we're doing it. We can do something in the shadow or, or the light. If it's done for reasons that are intricately not serving the body or serving the greater purpose, it's not going to serve in, in general. But for you, it's serve. It, it serves you. It does serve you. And for me, it just does not. Yeah. I have to stay such a clear channel to receive messages, to know my next path, to know my next bill that 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 I can't do that. I have to keep clear. But I'm not saying that that might, that might change. I mean, that might change. Maybe I would introduce something into my path in a year from now. Who knows? But I'm fluid with that. Right now, that's what, that's what it is. And, I, and even being a single mother, trying to gain solitude is very difficult, but I have to learn very strong efficiency systems to be able to find it. So, so I can give back, give back to her my, one of my greatest purposes is that little, little lady and to give back to all of you. And and so that's the difference because when I was an opera singer, I remember going, Oh, I can't drink. I can't eat this. (laughs) I can't eat past this time. And it was like, Oh, it almost felt like a chore, but Mm. now it's not a chore. Mm -hmm. It feels like it all feeds into one greater good. And the byproducts are just beautiful. So I don't have that issue as I did as an opera singer, like, oh, I can't eat chocolate at midnight. Right. You know, I don't want to get the acid <laughs> reflux. Now it's just like, no, I can't eat chocolate at midnight because you know what? I just not going to be able to serve my purpose the next day. You know, being a single mom, because I mean, that's incredible. And I met your daughter and you do a beautiful, wonderful job. And you said something about making sure you find and carve out that time for solitude. Is there any advice or a way you could give to anybody listening that I know, I know that's like a number one thing. I'm not a mother yet, but I know that that's 
the most difficult thing, right, for mothers is to take care of themselves first because it's like putting on your oxygen mask before, you know, on a plane before your child. How do you do it? (laughs) (laughs) In a simple way, is there any No, a simple way. Yeah, you know what? I think, again, every day, this day is going to be different than tomorrow. Every day is a management. And that's one, I think that's the greatest gift that, that I can, or, or the greatest thing that I could teach right now is that know that every day is going to probably be massive amounts of successes and challenges and failures and everything. That's what parenting is. And especially I think motherhood is that you have to give yourself the space. If your intent and what you're putting out and what resides in your body is unconditional love and love. They know that. Oh, that girl and I go at it. <laughs> I mean, you can see my body language right now. I went like this. <laughs> Whoa. She is a force of nature. And she's a very different human than I am. And she's been my greatest teacher, but I'm, she is tough. <laughs> and she will admit she's tough. And she will say to me, you need to be harder on me. I'm like, I have no energy to be harder on you. But after she'll be turning 12 next week, after 12 years, we have developed a beautiful relationship where I am just, we have a connect, we connect, we have, I I practice connective parenting where I, there are times, like I say, even as a healer, I have to know when to use my fire, my water, my earth, my air. There's a misconception, I think, within the spirituality that it's like this peaceful bliss. No, we, in my opinion, we as wellness practitioners and, and people who serve a greater good have to understand when the elements need to be used Mm. like a superhero, not some peace is not always necessary. You know, peace, peace can't be the best medicine. Sometimes fire is the best medicine. Sometimes your groundedness, your earth. And that's what I've taught her. We've learned to live by elements. Like I, you know, I, and I'm very communicative. We're very communicative with each other. And I will just, we will be authentic and blunt and truthful. That child loves and needs to know the brutal truth. And I will say to her, I cannot receive right now. Let me, give me 20 minutes. I need to go meditate. It's come to the point now where she goes, oh my gosh, I love when you go tell me you're going to need to meditate because then you're not nagging me about anything, (laughs) you know? So, (laughs) so she loves it. And that's what it is. It's really about understanding your little avenues that open up for you to find where the solitude is. And, and I don't have family here. I don't have a really huge support system. So really at the end of the day, it's me and her against the whole world and saying, look, not against, but with integrated, but in saying, look, it's me and you, we have to figure it out. You can't just go run to the neighbor's house or you don't have a grandmother you can go to you go into your space, I go into mine. And, and that's been fluid since the time, of course, they're newborns and then they have all these different needs. So we've always had to just re-examine that, mm. you know, but, um, but she knows it's an important part of my being now. And she <laughs> also trial and error. She knows if I don't get that solitude, the wrath <laughs> that sometimes happens between us. So, you know, it's, it's just brutal. You're truth. like, I'm going to sing high C's <laughs> in your ear to let out my fire. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, you know, she knows that she knows that there's only so much I can handle, you know, and she pushes and their job is to push every button under the sun and she's a boundary pusher. Yeah. So she's not, she's not the easiest for, 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 for a great reason. She's not the easiest. So we have to just find it in, in little bits and pieces. And I have so many clients who are mothers who, who we, I help them learn where they can find it. And it is a really about communication 
and setting beautiful, graceful boundaries with those around you mm. and, and, and explaining to them, I love you and I'm going to be the better person for this. And I'm going to be able to give you and receive in 20 minutes or let me just have this time because the brain really needs to go on hiatus for a while for it to kind of restructure and reconstruct its bandwidth, you know? Absolutely. I mean, girls, sometimes I need 20 minutes and I don't have kids yet to go meditate away from my dog, my husband, my... <laughs> And that's true for everybody. When people, when people ask me about a path, I say my path is sovereign because, because that is how it works. Everybody needs their space. And I think that needs to be understood. And I think women more than ever need to understand that we can sometimes have these very, and it's not just women. It's, I want to say it's the feminine nature and the feminine can, can manifest in a masculine, a man is to give and to flow. And, and we have to understand where, where the giving to ourselves is just as important, Mm. you know? Absolutely. I love that. Okay. We're getting into our final questions that we ask everyone. (laughs) So can you tell me about an individual or individuals who have particularly influenced you in your life? Could be creative, not creative. This was, this is a hard question for me because again, everything's so fluid and and I'm this kind of annoyingly impassioned person who takes a lot of inspiration from so many things. But I would have to say that my clients are a huge source of inspiration for me. They've been kind of curated in beautiful ways. You, and I put you in that, in that mix, you all have taught me so Aww. much. You have helped, and I'm humbled to it because you have all helped me build what we're talking about in this podcast. And I will say Sophia, my daughter, she has been the greatest influence, like just blows my mind and how humbling the journey is into motherhood. So I would have to say for so many reasons, that's, that's what I would say. (laughs) Beautiful. Okay. You can only bring three records with you to a deserted Island. What would they be? Mm. <laughs> this is such a hard question for the same reason I keep giving you. Um, there's an opera called Susanna, and it's written by this composer named Carlisle Floyd. It's an American contemporary opera. Cool. The music is just so incredibly beautiful to me. And the whole opera is about this, is just kind of this, this snapshot of humanity and it's dark and it's light. And the music is just glorious. And then I love the Punch Brothers. So <gasps> the phosphorescent too. blues, <laughs> love that album. The intricacies, the way they interconnect their harmonics beyond the beyond, beyond the beyond. So yeah, I would have to probably take that album. Everything has to have depth in this emotional connection with me. And I've been able to work with this band called 30 Seconds to Mars. And they've had me do the, my sound bath and my singing workshop at their experientials for their camps, their Camp Mars. One was in Malibu and one was in Croatia. And I 
just having a, a connection with the band and to be able to witness their shows and seeing how they affect their collective there's a real power to their songs and how it affects their collective talking about harmonics again they just have this amazing fan base that just finds such healing in their songs their songs are very prophetic so i would say i don't know an album that i would take but i, I put together like a mix a mix of their songs you know because i think that they have a power power over their collective that's very very interesting to me but i like to study it so Oh, those are, those are awesome. <laughs> yes. Okay. If you could stay one age the rest of your life, what would it be and why? I call this your spirit age. Oh, you know what? I'm going to really disappoint you with this answer. No, you won't. Because... There's no right or wrong. So you can't disappoint me. <laughs> I cannot pick an age and I'll tell you why. Because every, every age that I've been in has created, has a whole language to it. And I have so enjoyed the wisdom of aging. And what I realize is because my whole soul is about learning and mastery that I go, I say to myself, you know, wow, I just learned that. And I, then the more that I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. So I just want to keep aging so I can understand and learn what I don't know. So bring it on. I mean, maybe without so many of the gray hairs. Now bring that but... on too, girl. Salt and pepper. I love it. Bring it on. Yeah, That's I actually do. Amazing answer. I like it on other people, but for me, I'm like, ah. <laughs> but it's going to, it's going to have to happen eventually. But yes, I just want to, I have to follow the trajectory and that is just, just, I will age and I will, and I love just having whatever I've, like you said, turning 30, what that brought to you, you know, and that's going to continue to grow because I'm well past 30. And, and I can't even tell you just in the past couple months, the feeling of the wisdom that I've been able to achieve. So even just daily that, that as we age and grow, we're just going to keep moving because we're kind of eternal, you know? Mm, I love that. What do you Google the most? Like if I opened your history. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. I Google words. I love etymology <gasps> and I love syntax I love and I love rhetoric. Too. You are, you, you are guided by a, um, a communic, you, you are a communicator, you are a storyteller. And I know, I know the energy that you're guided by because you're my client. <laughs> so that makes perfect sense. So I just kind of define, like, I'll go in and just define the word, like something very simple, like, like the word simple and just like to see the definition and say, oh, just even the words that define that word set off a million different creative channels for me. So yeah. Kindred spirits, because I was just looking up the word <laughs> virtue the other day, the word virtue and doing the Ugh. same thing. I was reading it in something and I'm fascinated by those. You're right. There's like those, the simple definition can be so impactful. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually everybody listening. It's a really fun thing to do. Gita's right. Google some words or get can yourself I, an old school dictionary. Right. And can I add to that? Actually, this goes into what, and this is, this is also to what, why I feel that we feel this way doing what I do, it, working with the voice. One of the most beautiful things about words is when we, when we sing, we're just, we're transferring, we're putting sound pressure levels through vowels, which creates this elongation and the vowels are so sacred. 
And what they're doing is they're, that's where the, where the medicine comes from, wrapped in these beautiful words with, which have sensuality to our lips and our bodies. And, and, and what happens is that the word virtue, if you just say the word virtue, doesn't it, if you're, doesn't have a, just a resonance. So we have to understand that words with their consonants and vowels are created in such a way to emit and to kind of awaken that frequency inside of us around what the word means. And we, well, the more we tap into that, the more you're going to find that, that, that word virtue is so powerful. You know, mm. my sis, my daughter always says to me, you use such big words. I was like, but it's the rhythm of the word. They may have three syllables, two syllables, the way the vowel structures with the consonants. It just makes sense to me to use it. I can't help myself. It's so true. I, I can't believe I found a fellow word et- etymologist slash word sleuth. Uh, I'm not that into Scrabble, though. I've tried. You would think that they would. I'm not but either. It's for us, because it's about the meaning and the deeper. It's not necessarily about the it's about structure the of the feeling. letters. Yeah. yeah, it's about the feeling. Um, okay, so this podcast, uh, because I'm the host, uh, also Dolly Parton is Saint Dolly to me. Of course. And I honor that. So (laughs) Dolly, every, every, uh, guest, we ask a Dolly Parton question. So Mm. your question is true or false. (laughs) Dolly's parents paid for her birth with a sack of oatmeal. I mean, it has to be true because it's so Dolly resonant. That's what I'm saying. Like, I hate to keep sounding this way. There's something that just you feel. It has to be true. But it, I, I'm also can be very wrong, by the way. I, I am wrong. You're very right. And, yeah, I mean, it just feels like that's that's the essence of Dolly. Can't you just feel it? This is the, the music she made, the power, the the community, the story she put in the world came from that experience, right? Absolutely. That this was this what paid for her birth. And oatmeal is such an amazing, it's oatmeal, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's such an amazing oatmeal. food. It's just like so nutritive, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> I just love, I love everything about her history. And, you know, I think she's one of 12 uh, kids. I think she's the fourth maybe, but yeah, the, her yeah. father, they didn't have, they were so poor that he paid for, for the, the, the midwife with a sack of oatmeal. Love it. The midwife was Hopefully, I mean, seemingly very Probably cool with it because Dolly exists. Yes. Yeah, I know. Dolly exists. Dolly's still existing with her with her powerhouse. Oh, everything. Everything. She's going to save the world. She's going to save us from COVID, too, apparently. She's donated so much to the scientific, like, oh, wow. uh, cures and research. And I just love that woman so much. So, Dolly, we love you. We love you, Dolly. Okay. Are you ready for the final question? Yes. Do you mind closing your eyes? Not at all. Okay. This is called the blank room exercise. So go into a blank room. What are you hearing? I'm hearing sound bowls. I'm hearing the quartz crystal. What are you smelling? Roses. Mm. What are you tasting? Dark chocolate. What are you touching? A human. Oh, what are you seeing? A human face, like like a, a human connection. I'm seeing eyes, eyes, the soul. I'm seeing the soul. Oh, so wonderful. This was so amazing. Thank you so much. Ooh, that was powerful. <sighs> yeah. So powerful. Uh, mm. I just love that, that it's just blank and whatever comes to you in the moment, it, it has so much meaning. I think there's so much resonance And it was there. very, but I'm saying it was unequivocal, like what was coming to me. It wasn't. It was just like, bam, bam. Oh, I love it. Yay. It's your power. It's your power. It's your power. (laughs) 
Kira, I love you. You're the best. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you're I, welcome. Uh, I hope it was helpful. I hope it was educational. <laughs> wow. I loved speaking with Gita. How wonderful is she? She is such an incredible healer and such an inspiring woman. I am just so lucky to call her a friend and to have her as one of our first guests. Head to GitaNovotny.com for information on Revolution Voice, which is Gita's method and practice that uses the voice and sound as a bridge between music and wellness. Also, you will find so much information on her sound healing sessions, which I love, using quartz crystal singing bowls and her vocal training sessions, which guide you to make your own voice into sonic medicine, all to create deep healing, self-discovery, and empowerment from the inside out. And don't forget to sign up for her newsletter so you can stay informed of her upcoming events, workshops, new music releases, and healing inspirations. This episode of Harmonics was produced and edited by Chris Jacobs and is only possible with the superb leadership of executive producer Amy Reitnauer Jacobs and the entire team over at The Bluegrass Situation. Check out all of the amazing roots music and culture podcasts they have up on the BGS Podcast Network over at thebluegrasssituation.com. Theme music by Allison Russell. Discover more at Allison Russell Music on Instagram and wherever you stream music. I'm your host, Beth Bears. Until next time, always remember that creativity is healing and healing is creative.